0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Pursuing Perfect podcast. This is episode number eight. I know a lot of you have been asking where where's the content been and now I'm delivering it. This is an exciting episode I had with a good friend of mine Justin Sexton. We had an amazing conversation. Justin and I have a a relatively long history now but we've we've created endless memories together and uh He's just a really unique individual he has a unique perspective he's he lived on three different continents before the age of 18. he lived in morocco he lived in germany he lived all over the united states Uh, his parents were traveling missionaries we get into that and we get into some of the experiences and the perspective he can offer he's also a world-class soccer player one of the best left backs i've ever met and center backs i've ever met and this was just a really interesting conversation. A lot of mentality, a lot of lessons learned, and just ways that you can apply all of the things that all of the experiences Justin has had in his life to your everyday life as well. Through the challenges that you face, how to have a growth mindset, how to be patient, and overall just how to improve your life daily. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I, j- I really just have, yeah I really just want to have like an honest conversation because I think you have such a interesting life like in general i you know i mean this genuinely too
1: yeah, yeah.
0: you have i've never met someone that has had okay first off parents as missionaries essentially missionaries yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's the definition but missionaries yeah i've yeah. lived in how many continents three yeah three continents and what eight states
1: uh states let's see well it's more about the cities at that point like I went to 10 where okay. I graduated high school but that so was how many,
0: so okay so yeah, how first. many cities in the U.S. first
1: if I counted I mean a quick count would be probably 13
0: to put me on the spot see and it's like before the age of 18 how many of those happened? probably
1: before 18
0: uh you no, know, like before high school graduation
1: oh yeah i mean i guess i guess 11 10 10 of them that's crazy
0: like i had one <laughs> like I, I lived in the same place that's crazy yeah. yeah i don't know if i'm unique or if you're unique,
1: your unique. <laughs> i mean maybe a little bit of both
0: yeah i guess it depends on where we're from too like my area for instance most people stay after high school they never move away so in in that regard i'm very unique from where i'm from
1: oh yeah taking off and yeah just
0: like going over in a bunch of different places but you my god so so names
1: but the way way you ended up moving was was pretty remarkable i mean (laughs) we talk about flying in didn't you fly into melbourne but like first trip to eddie
0: and they got an uber from Melbourne.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. an hour and a half. Two free half. kick
0: center <laughs> what is that two free kick center
1: yeah 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 so hour and a half uber <laughs> shows up to free kick with a with a bag just with a carry-on bag and then uh chopped it up from there and and figured it out moved to florida and that year.
0: was and that was the first day we met yeah so let's okay so let's talk a little bit about our background how we know each other go for okay. it man <laughs> so i had just gotten back from germany and i was looking for a place to train for soccer and i went on instagram and i started searching trainers whatever i was looking for different things and i found eddie and i massive
1: shout to eddie if he ever listens to this because yeah. that year was i mean i've done a lot of crazy things but if i chalked it down like craziest year of my life i'm gonna say it's that one
0: <laughs> yeah so what was uh, that 2019
1: yeah fever dream the whole year was an absolute fever dream <laughs> and what he's so, got going on
0: here is unbelievable so i found eddie on instagram i sent him a dm and i you know i sent if anybody knows me i sent this big long thing describing who i am where i come from what i'm looking to do very specific very detailed and mm-hmm. i get a message back that says let's get this work
1: <laughs> in true
0: fashion and i just i wasn't sure what to expect i wasn't i didn't know what the cost would be for training i didn't know well, that's because the anything. follow-up
1: message Everyone I've ever talked to, the follow-up message is great. When can we do this? I'm so excited. What are your prices? What are the times? When should I be there? Dates. And then nothing back. Exactly. And exactly. so if you take the step out and get there, it's like the promised land. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't know what you're getting yourself into.
0: Yeah. And I flew down there literally on that. Just let's get this work. And yeah. whenever I got so, there, yeah. yeah, Luke Luke too. So for people listening, your brother, Luke, who's your younger brother by how many years? Four years. Four years. You know, it's funny. My cousin just texted me and he said, when's the new content coming for the podcast? And (laughs) I sent him a picture. I was like, right now. And...
1: (laughs) Was this recent?
0: This was three minutes ago. And uh, so Nick, if you're listening to this, I'm talking about you, son. But... Yeah, Luke did the exact same thing and he's he was what, 17 at the time when 16, he did it. 17. Yes, it's great that's great. Yeah, he's 16 I guess, 16 17 because he turned 18 the next year in February, yeah. What's he a third? February 3rd.
1: Uh February 4th, close.
0: Ah, I was on nail. <laughs> I Had to make sure you you knew. Yeah. So, so I went yeah, I flew down to Orlando and I had my suitcase which was one carry-on and uh, a backpack, a personal item. And whenever I got there, I was nervous. I would, Like, you don't know what to expect, you know? You don't know w- what you're walking into. You don't know, is this guy going to be friendly? Is this guy going to be a jerk? Is this guy going to be crazy? Which, looking that well, all of the above apply. So I walked in, I was nervous, and... Sat there for like two hours waiting, and I guess it was uh, the younger kids session in the morning, like that that early afternoon. And I, I finally got up. To- I started actually talking to Maddie Waltz's dad, and he was super cool. I was talking to him, and he was like, "Yeah, just go over and say what's up to him. He's cool." And so I go over, and because Maddie was actually there that day, I think also training beforehand and um so then went over talked to him it was actually super friendly not like not what I expected at all he's like the friendliest dude ever like just warm extremely nice Welcome. like welcoming made yeah. you feel completely at home and safe like it was just it was great give you then, about a week
1: with that and then yeah. I'll hit you with the this has got to be better
0: <laughs> yeah and I think I don't know did you guys come that day or is it i think he can't tell me come back the next day
1: yep i was there the following day yeah so i had showed up um and i showed up i think it was a little bit earlier than you because i was talking to this one kid eric and he was like yeah this uh this guy showed up his name was zach like how old is he he's like uh i don't know but uh he you know about your age and uh he did you did something in the in the small side he's like you wouldn't believe the uh i don't even remember what it was but um he was talking about you and i was like all right like i'm excited to get some someone my age in here and get some like you know competition going and you know just keeping iron sharpens iron you know
0: yeah which we did we had plenty of competition um which i was just talking to someone today actually and she was like oh yeah my son he's a he's a kite surfer but he decided he didn't want to do do it uh professionally or whatever because he doesn't like competition and i was thinking to myself i'm i feel like i'm the complete opposite i would do anything if there's a competition if there's a way to like win if there's a way to compete against someone else just even if you're not good at it just to test yourself and see like how much you can improve how good can i do going into something cold whatever and i i don't know it just like struck me weird i was like all my friends are the same as me they all like to like we all like to compete
1: yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's what, that was the environment that was, we, we were, you know, like that before, but if we weren't, that Eddie's environment just breeds that. I mean, and he, you know, he will make comments that will make you like, oh, oh, okay. This guy, this guy's better than me. No, 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 <laughs> let's do this again. Let's run this back. And so it's just like, it's just, you want to talk about competitive. This is like,
0: and so it's, it's not, even, it's not, yeah, it is a pressure cooker. And it's like, yeah. it's not even, it's not even a competition. It's, it's almost weird. It's like, cause, cause you're not competing necessarily against the other person. It's like who can do the best repetition, who can do the best, like have the best quality who can come yeah. So it's, it's a, it's almost, but then of course you have the small side of games, which then that turns into yeah. one-on-ones and, or if you're Luke one-on-five, that boy loves to dribble he loves he loves him some dribble but no but so then the second day whenever you guys got there it was like we completely hit it off like right off the bat it just was like an instant connection and I'll I'll never forget that first picture that we took right there (laughs) outside the free kick center it's just like that's a every time I look at him like this is this is a moment that I'll always remember as meeting these guys because I felt like it was just a it was one of those friendships that you don't find very often, and I could feel it early on that it was gonna be real something really cool and then uh yeah we we had a lot of memories together and a lot of adventures, a lot of ups and downs i i could I think I can say safely ups and downs oh yeah, the downs oh, yeah. maybe were like more powerful at times, but we definitely had <laughs> maybe some, more long
1: lasting
0: yeah, yeah more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Long lasting, but the ups were—I mean, I remember the one night whenever we left. What was it? Okay, bueno, and we were about to go oh. to Tampa the next day, and we were soaring. And that, yeah. So it's a to say that we had some, we have some fun memories, some fun stories together is is uh, an understatement. But all right, so that's how we know each other. That's how we met was through soccer, hundred percent soccer. And really you guys got there interestingly because Luke went there on his own first. Yep. And then you, you came too because what was, so what was the whole situation with that? Why did you end up going down there?
1: So Luke goes down first and, you know, same as all, same as everybody else gets one message. Let's do it. Nothing back. Has no idea what to expect. So he was like, I, I'll just go do this, you know, in case it's a wash. Maybe this guy doesn't let me train. It's It's exclusive. I, I don't know. Maybe it changes mind. So he goes down, you know, it goes great. Um, Eddie, you know, is the greatest guy. What of this and that? The training is amazing. And I'm sitting up here like, all right, what, when am I headed down there? I think he was down there about a month and um, he had mentioned to Eddie, you know, I've got this older brother. It's playing. It's like, bring him down, bring him down, whatever. So at this point, we knew it was going to be a pretty, uh, a semi-permanent thing, I guess as permanent as our lives has been. Yeah, <laughs> so well. Luke talks to my parents. We end up getting an apartment down there and uh, fly down, man, you were talking about being nervous for your first session. Yeah. I was walking in there and I was like, I was excited, but I did just feel like at at this point, I was like, okay, Luke's got some crazy footwork already. Like before he walked in with Eddie and um, Eddie loved him. Like, what if I just don't like meet the standard? Like my little brother did. I didn't whatever. So, you know, I, I walked in and, and then uh, I remember I was standing there passing around with him and Kayla and they were stinging it in. I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. I'm used to this. And then it was, everything was step-by-step, step, you know, it was a humbling experience and yeah, and it was, <sighs> humbling. That was the word for the first month, man. Especially Walking.
0: whenever you start doing things, uh, one in the heat and two, not only in the heat, but it was, uh, it was a hot box. It was a, Holy it was God. like a that sauna inside. It was a sauna. Yeah. And for people that don't understand, it was a box, probably, what, 20 feet, 30 feet high? I don't know how yeah. how, okay. how high is the roof, maybe. It's, it's pretty rooms. high, but basically, you're in a steel box <laughs> with very small windows on the side that are kind of garage doors. and it's like a warehouse. It just, you know? Yeah, you're it's in a like warehouse. Yeah, warehouse. Yeah, that, you're in a warehouse with turf that's <laughs> like the turf <laughs> you get from Lowe's. It's curled carpet. out. Yeah, it's carpet and you're wearing, well, we wore cleats, you know, we weren't <laughs> supposed to, but, and we would literally drink two gallons of water every single day and sweat uh, and sweat. And, and, oh my, and we sweat a lot, but even people that don't sweat, sweated. Yeah. Um, wow. And we would do two sessions a day. People don't never, uh, never uh, believe me whenever I tell them that we would do two, three and a half hour sessions, four hour oh. sessions per day eight hours um go Eddie and you'll understand yep go spend a, you a month down there. or if you're or if you're us go spend nine months to a year down there yeah you're really feeling you know brave, brave. Uh, yeah so it was it was crazy to say the least and w- what early what what do you like whenever I first remember going in there, I was nervous about, okay, this guy played in the world cup. He was an MLS player, MLS all-star. One of the best players our country has produced as far as resume and as far as ability goes, one of the best number nines in the, so I was like, I was questioning my ability to a certain extent. I was like, okay, I've never met, I've never played with guys at this level. So let me see if I can do it. But literally after 10 minutes, I realized I could, do, I was like, Oh, it's soccer. It, it's not different. Yeah, and for me, for me, that was such a mind open. Like it was, it, it opened my whole mind up to like, what's really possible, how, what the top level really is like in some regards. I mean, you know, we're not at Manchester United, but yeah. ability wise, it's like, okay, these guys are human just like I am, but yep. I had never seen that coming from where I was coming from small Delaware kid under-recruited. I was five foot tall, 88 pounds as a junior, never recruited really anywhere, went to a division three school. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't, it was nothing glamorous whatsoever, but then I get in there and I'm like, wait a second, I can do all the same stuff. This isn't, so it opens your eyes to your abilities and what you're, what you're capable of, which was one of the biggest blessings ever. I think in in my personal, even just my development as a person, not just.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the self-belief, man, that's what, if you want to talk about what changed from start to finish, I became a different player entirely. Like as far as uh, my feet and the way I could play the game, but what changed more than that was my, my self-belief. Like I walked in there and, you know, I like, I loved playing, but I hated when things got really heated between two teams. Cause I would either one get too involved in like the beef And I wouldn't really work on – I wouldn't be focused on playing, you know. I'm just focused on, like, how mad I am at one player or whatever. Or uh, two, I'd be like, okay, now I can't screw this up because I've talked my crap. And (laughs) I can't look like an idiot now. Whereas whenever I walked out of there, I mean, I could – we stepped – we played with I don't know how many MLS players that represent the national team. Yeah. And other
0: national teams.
1: Yeah. And, um, so, you know, after being on the field with them and going at it and I walked away from there just thinking like, you know, you could put me in, in a lion's den right now and I would come out like thriving. So it was just, that was the biggest thing that changed. I mean, that changed my life, to be honest, just self-belief, knowing what I'm capable of and, and looking back and saying, holy crap, like I really did that, you know?
0: And, and just being able to improve yeah like seeing improvement in yourself is huge especially with soccer a lot of people think you're just born with it or you're not but we learned firsthand between the three of us and with Eddie of course with his help that we could improve dramatically just just the details of our game not necessarily going from never being able to uh, dribble a ball to you know doing whatever everything but Like from a very competent level, you can marginally increase and make little improvements that make a huge difference in your game and how calm you are in the ball. And like that was one thing that I think I really got was if you're, if you master the skill set, you can be more calm when there's chaos going on around you because you just, you have no doubt in your, in your feet, in your abilities, in your skills. And so you can just execute as it comes. Boom whatever comes around you're prepared for because you've drilled and you've you have the skills that it takes to to perform at any level and I think that's something too that I I didn't really have that I mean I I always was good with my feet I was never I was always I'm a technical player in general but I think the tactical side I learned a lot and but also just that like you're saying like that hardening almost where you're just it doesn't even matter like what's going on you're just you're able to perform under any circumstances with someone yelling in your face with someone criticizing you how can you take when someone says something personal about you on purpose over and over again and attacks you attacks your ego so much that you feel like oh my gosh and and the other thing we joke sometimes i mean no disrespect to any of the military people but that it was, it was like a special operations boot camp because we couldn't say anything back. That's the other. That's something I struggled <laughs> with. You guys, yeah. you guys did a lot better than me, but I couldn't. You, you know, you can't it. say anything front end of it. Yeah, I, I got a. Uh, I, I remember going up to Monday, again,
1: Huh? I remember. I remember the session. I walked up to you, and I had figured it out. I was like, Zach. He comes at you when he sees that it gets to you like I can see it on your face every single time and he loves using that like to push like to push those buttons because those buttons can't be there like you just got to have right. a stone face like and nothing tough. like it just washed right away and, you know
0: nothing happened <laughs> that and from when it changed that that is exactly what happened too because I started to reckon like for me anyway. I was like, why does it seem like he's attacking me? I can't figure this out. Like Justin and Luke are good. But then I remember that day because after you said that, I was like, wait a second, he's exactly right. I'm letting it affect me. And that was whenever, like you guys had already kind of had it down, like just faith <laughs> and granite. Face of granite. I was just telling these kids I, I, I trained two boys. Um, and I was telling them the other day, you have to have an alter ego for yourself. You have to develop, like, for me, it's that face of granite, just having no emotion because that's, I'm more of a people person. I like to communicate with people and you are too. And you had to develop that, but you, I think you, you were a little bit ahead of me in developing that there, especially you figured it out first. And then you kind of were like, look, Zach, if you want to really get the most out of this, (laughs) and not be you know attacked every day and pissed off every day and and you really did help because after that things changed for me I felt I felt they did I felt I had
1: a they definitely did I mean better
0: relationship yeah Um, it was I was not as affected by things and he was he kind of respected that yeah and in Eddie's own way he I think he was trying to do that the whole time but he he he, we. I don't know if he was gonna say it to me, but he wanted he wanted us to figure out stuff for ourselves, and that was I don't know for me that was life changing. Just being able to do things emotionless. Yep. Oh, you
1: talking about like how was it? You t- want to talk about like alter ego? I mean, I, that's the one way to put it. I if you meet me off the field, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty nice dude, but if you stepped on that field with me that year, 2019, man, I was like unrecognizable. I mean, the moment I laced those boots up, it was just a different and it was me and you would go at it. But then as soon as we stepped off, it was like nothing happened,
0: you know? Oh, every time. Every single day. (laughs) And that's what like, I don't know, man, that's what I feel like is so special about our relationship, too, is that we're both we're both intense enough, but we're also uh understanding enough, I guess would be the word to know that it's more our relationship isn't just on the field or a game. It goes way, it's way bigger than all of that. Like we can we can fight. I we, you could punch me in the face. I could punch you in the face back. We could both be bloody laying on the floor like knocked out. And as soon as we both woke up we'd be like, dude, you want to go get some tacos? <laughs> yeah. And it was like that's I don't know. And maybe not immediately like it might take some time to wash over, but
1: yeah i don't know i feel like we're both able
0: to do that yeah man i feel that Hmm. yeah and and the other thing that i think i learned about myself was that people are never uh as big as you make them in your head like whenever we would play with a lot of those guys that played on the national team that played in mls like they were on a a pedestal in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and then When we yeah. would get, get in that environment, that gauntlet, and we would start competing with them, it was like, it was, oh, these guys are human. These guys aren't even on our level mentally, mentally and emotionally. And
1: even now, an hour into the session, and we've got two hours left, and we're still going to hit the next one tomorrow just as long with the same intensity. And you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I
0: remember when a certain uh, draft pick came. And we had already trained for three and a half hours that morning. (laughs) Yes, The number one
1: half pick in the country. And I mean, I'm not going to say his name, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's good enough. And dude tops out an hour into his session and we had trained, like you said, we had already had a training session that morning. And then we were the ones who finished that one out. And Eddie had set that time aside just for him. And he taps out an hour in, I was just like,
0: these guys i mean honestly it was such a testament to what we had become at that point though because a lot of athletes wouldn't have been able to do what we were doing because we were so conditioned you know so like i look even at a lot of my friends now and i'm like man you have no idea what like pushing your limits is you know people get i went to i was i just got back from the gym and i was working out in there and i I Freaking crush, I you know, I really push hard in there, yeah. and but I try. I tonight I had to get in and out within an hour because of this. And I'm looking around, I'm like, these like people are walking around. It's a, like I'm like sweating, I'm like dripping sweat everywhere, you know, doing <laughs> weighted pull ups, all this crazy stuff. And like, man, people, yeah, I don't know. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine named Guillermo, and it was like, I think. And it's no whatever either way. Some people go to the gym to get some pictures in the mirror, get a nice little pump, get some nice pictures for Instagram, whatever. That's and I'm cool with that, whatever, man. Do do you? But I go in the gym because I want to challenge myself and I want to push, you know, push myself and learn like what I'm capable of, increase my, you know, abilities. And I think that we share that in common.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And it's like anything. I think that's why we're so competitive. I mean how hard can you push? How, how far can you get? You know? I mean, that's just, I don't know if we were born that way or raised that way, maybe a mix of both, but I'll die
0: that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I don't know. I think it, I don't know. I think it's healthy. I don't know. I've had issues sleeping at times like where I'm, my brain's just like constantly like going, 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 but it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a double-edged sword, whatever you want to call it. I mean, sometimes it, sometimes it, it doesn't make sense to. I, I don't, I don't know people that have like a normal. I don't know. Can people just literally go to bed and just like fall asleep right away? This is a genuine <laughs> question I have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on the person and the night.
0: I don't know. Maybe it's me, but I, I have trouble doing that. Just like laying down. And- oh yeah,
1: always filled with ideas just running back and forth
0: all right you know? so yeah definitely so justin tell me also uh so i want to hear about where else you've lived besides the u.s and how what, what that experience was like and how old you were and all that kind of good stuff
1: oh yeah so uh at the age of 12 i moved to morocco that would have been 2010 And, um, man, that was, I had moved a lot before then, but obviously this was a different story. I think I was way less apprehensive than I would have been if that would have been my first time moving overseas. Like nowadays, like if you were to tell me today that I was moving to Morocco and I'd never experienced anything like that, I think I would, I would be like mentally preparing myself, you know, in every way possible for this, because it's going to be so difficult. You know, when you're 12, you're just like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm going to miss my friends and everything, but sure.
0: This is awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we get over there. It's uh, my dad's doing mission work over there. He's been working with um, the Islamic people group for years now. And this is our chance to move over, really make a difference. And so um, just what that did in my life, I mean, uh, you know, it's hard to even begin, but basically i i would say overall i mean learning that like the problems you go through day to day here are not real problems you know i mean we were i have so many stories of just encounters with people or just seeing things and um different things that happened that i thought you know it's almost like you you didn't really know people could be put in specific situations like situations that bad more or less and so um so we got there um there was a guy that was supposed to help us get adjusted and he he was from morocco his family was from morocco and he hadn't visited them in like five six years or whatever so he said okay if you buy my plane ticket i'll show you around get you settled you know make sure you know everything And my dad was like, this is great. You know, I mean, how else are we going to learn the? We don't know the language. You know, Arabic takes at least five years to speak. uh, They say to speak like a kindergartner. Uh, We don't know the language. We don't know the areas. Like we don't know anything. We're going, you know. So as soon as we get off this plane, the guy goes, uh, you know, I'm I'm so sick, man. I'm so sick. Uh, I got to I got to get a cab. I'm out of here. It takes off on us. Yeah, takes off. We we're like, what on earth are we going to do? Um, he texts my dad, you know, somebody will be uh, waiting to pick up your luggage or something. You know, I was 12. So I don't remember every detail, but we meet someone there. They tell us
0: where to go. We hop on a train, no idea how to get there. Wait, pause the for one second. What's up? How many, how many people is this? This is not you. Oh, and yeah, your dad. that's my
1: whole family. So this is me, my dad, my mom. My older sister, Madison, my older brother, Andrew, and my little brother, Luke, there was six of us. And my dad is towing us around. Andrew is sick as a dog. I mean, I don't know what he had, but he could barely move. And Andrew was so sick. So, and, you know, some of our bags got left behind. So we had to wait for those, whatever. So um, we end up staying, finding the place we're supposed to stay. We stay there, and we wake up, and my dad says, "We're getting out of here. Like this is some crummy little town in Morocco, and Morocco is not all that developed anyway." Mm. So we're gonna go. Yeah, I mean, it's something.
0: a third world country, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is, and it, it's right on the tip of Africa, uh, across from Spain. Um, if you're looking at like a whole map, you know. So we end up going to Marrakech, which my dad was like, I, "I've heard of Marrakech before. I know they're a tourist." Like, at least we can kind of like get a hold of, of what's going on there you know, figure something out. So we get there, we meet some nice people. They start showing us around. Um, long story short, we end up in Tangier, which is the port city right across from Spain. Um, I spent a year there as the me and my siblings. We were the only Americans. I say I couldn't go to public school. I didn't speak the language. My parents honestly didn't want to put me through that. <laughs> so we went to a private school. It was the American School of Tangier. And um, we were the only Americans there. And so the, uh, the situation there was just insane. I mean, my, my sister had a good time because, you know, she's a young American lady there uh, surrounded by these, you know, Moroccan guys who are all trying to show mm-hmm. off and i'm just this little like twerpy kid at the age of 12 um and uh it was a different story for me and andrew pretty much so we had a little bit of a rough time but um i learned there a lot about dealing with people and a lot about myself just you know like i said your problems really aren't problems and so um
0: so what oh my yeah keep going keep going uh,
1: Yeah. So basically we, um, we spent a year there and that was during the Arab spring, which I don't know if many people are familiar with that, but that's when all these Arab countries were overthrowing their governments. So there was a really nerve wracking time there for a minute. I mean, I went to a basketball game at my school. My sister was playing. (laughs) This was during the Arab spring. And the country of Morocco had decided that this particular day was going to be their day of peaceful protest. And when they said peaceful protest, they meant rioting in the streets. (laughs) So we go to school that day. My sister has a basketball game. So we show up and one of the players starts just, uh, well, one of my sister's teammates, her name was Kaltar. She grabs. she got mad about something, grabs this girl by the hair slings her onto the basketball court and starts stomping on her and the whole crowd is screaming her name cow like going at it man and the ref doesn't eject her or anything he just he goes and subs her. he's like you have to sub her out you have to sub her out so she gets subbed out uh the next half starts you know she sat for maybe five ten minutes i don't know Next half starts. I'm sitting there watching it with this guy next to me, little Spanish kid. His name is Juan, and he's was, he's was kind of nerdy, but I tried to be a friend to him. Whatever. We have three Moroccan kids sit behind us, and one of them smacks him in the back of the head. I mean, hard. So he turns around. Who was that? And they're all like pointing at each other, laughing. It was him. No, it was him. Ha, ha, whatever. So then he just lets it go, turns around. They smack him again. They do this the fourth time. And he turns around and pulls a knife out of his pocket and sticks it to one of the kids' throats and says, I swear to God, if you ever touch me again, I'll kill you. And then he threw the knife on the ground and ran off crying. (laughs) But, oh, man. But, I mean, yeah, these were the kind of things that I just, like, I don't know. It was just crazy for me. Obviously. And, and by the way, Kaltar got back in the game and started a fight with the girl again. <laughs> and so yeah, at which point uh, things were going crazy. And my dad just like called my sister, like, let's get out of here. So we leave, we go back home that night. We're, we're about I would say five miles outside of the city um, that night, the There's riding. The Tangier? Yeah. Tangier. City. Yep. The rioting starts and I'm getting all these videos in my like class group chat of what my friends all lived in the city, not friends, my classmates, they all lived in the city. So they're all sending these messages, videos to our group chat. And I mean, it's people, you know, breaking in through the windows, like stealing it, looting all these shops. Like, you know, I've never gone why people set cars on fire. Like, I don't really understand that one, but they were setting cars on fire, like, you know, just doing anything and everything. So
0: it just kind caused was, havoc.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um so we were, you know, pretty worried that that night obviously. Um my dad was uh on guard <laughs> the entire night. But we made it through, made it through the whole year and we moved uh back to the states after a year of that. So
0: what would I have there. a couple of questions I want to ask. Yeah. So yeah. one, what was a what was it like? What were your living arrangements like in Morocco? Were they like a typical American house where you have uh you know running water kitchen front door that locks like was it normal was what was it like
1: yeah so tangier i mean if you think of if when people think of africa obviously they think of uh third world and this was a third world third world country but they had a lot of you know just modern things that we have nowadays so um we lived in an apartment um and you know we had You know, it was like a an apartment that you'd probably find in in like Spain or somewhere, you know? So it was very modern and it was a nice place. I mean, we had a grass courtyard and um we did though, um, it was it was a vacation rental, um, like a condo kind of situation for people from Europe. And we ended up getting like basically a really good rate on it because we were staying the whole year. And, um, so there was a security guard at the front and, um, you know, it was honestly, it was a really good situation, um, as far as living, but yeah, they have normal apartments there. And, um, you know, that, that situation, I had a bed to myself, uh, we had three bedrooms and, uh, there were six of us. So three bedrooms, a nice living area. Um, this was cool though, back out on our like patio, we had a grill but we bought the grill at a local market and someone had taken an oil barrel and cut out the bottom of it. And then they cut strips from the oil barrel that wasn't like on this part. It was a different part of it. And they made that the legs. And then they put it like a little griddle on top and poked holes in the bottom. So that was, that was our, that was our grill. And we grilled out there so much, man. It was crazy because every cut of beef was the same price. So you could get ground beef for, you know, $5 a pound, or you could get T-bone steaks for $5 a pound. So it it was pretty cool.
0: No, that is cool. And what was it like as Americans there? I know that you went to the American, what was it, the American School of Tangier or something? Yeah. But what what was it like? Like, how are you accepted by, maybe not, maybe the people in your school, but. What about also people in the marketplace or people when you went out, how are you, were you, did you feel like people looked at you different or did you stand yeah. out or what?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're either viewed one of two ways, in my opinion. I mean, you're viewed as a tourist and can I one, um, sell you something to, you know, get some money from you some kind of way. So you're viewed as a tourist or an outsider. So it's either how can I get money from you or what are you doing here, you know? Right. And so, um, you know, when we go to the market, uh, it's, it's I mean, it's like a flea market, but in a shanty town kind of like they had built it, you know, like little booth by little booth and it's being held up by literal like just sticks and you've got cloth on top that's covering it for the days that it rains and it, you know, still so pour through and everything, but, um, but uh, yeah, it definitely viewed it as an outsider um, in the school. I would say it was a lot worse. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had, you know, a lot of my PE teacher hated me and my siblings and would just do everything to make our lives miserable. And so you know, I mean, it wasn't just him; it was it was my classmates too. You know, I, the only time I've ever been spat on in my life was at that school on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just you are
0: the butt of the joke, you know. So now, is that, that you couldn't speak the language? Like you, you weren't. Even- I mean,
1: you know, I was a Christian surrounded by Muslims. I was a white kid surrounding surrounded by Arabs. I was, you know, I couldn't speak the language. Um, I was, a, you know, I was an outsider. They didn't want me there. And How did that,
0: like, if you could, if you could go back and talk to your 12 year old self, what would you tell them in that situation?
1: I would just tell them to not worry about what other people think. You know, I, I spent a lot of my, a lot of my life, even after that, uh, just trying to please people, you know, and, and be, I just wanted to be everyone's friend. I didn't really understand that some people it's okay to, to let that go. And, and not be friends with everybody you meet everybody doesn't have to like you and uh especially as a kid you know i didn't understand that but not many i mean you know i was a kid you know
0: i think that's such a good lesson though like what you just said not everyone has to like you that's okay (laughs) and people like and the other thing is you can also be friends with people you disagree with on things oh yeah that's an uh, and i'm sure that you had people there that maybe your beliefs didn't line up. Maybe the, the way you thought about family or even the food you like or whatever did not line up. And, but you were, you were still able to be friends with some people probably. So even that
1: funny thing was um, if you, I lived in two places overseas and my dad took me to Morocco kind of, this is what we're doing, you know, as a family. Uh, let's, let's go and kill this thing. So we go there. I did have a friend who was in the grade above me. His name was Dennis and he was German. So I already love soccer, but um, at that time I didn't really watch much soccer. And so obviously you're in Morocco. All they play is soccer. All they watch is soccer. Soccer, mm-hmm. So Dennis was a Bayern Munich fan. So I would go over to his house you know, we played Nerf or Call of Duty or whatever. And then we'd watch the Bayern game. So I, you know, I was like, all right, I like Bayern. Bayern's my team. So I decided Byron's my team. Years later, I think I was 16 years old. My dad, um, my dad had asked my older brother, if you were to go anywhere in the world and play soccer for a month, two months, where, where would you go? So Andrew chose Costa Rica my dad goes, okay, I know people in Costa Rica, some missionaries over there. I'm sure they let you stay with them. Um, it worked out. He went to Costa Rica for two months, um, stayed with them, played for a division two club there, which was pretty great. Um, and then, uh, ended up coming back. So then, you know, my turn, uh, I was 16 at the time. I was 15 at the time. And, um, My dad asks, you know, where do you want to go? So I told him Germany. You know, I'd always wanted to play in Germany ever since Dennis. Uh, This was four or five years later. So I ended up making enough money from, you remember the whole Marshalls, like, extravaganza. Buying from Marshalls, selling them on eBay, whatever. The first time I did that, my mom thought I was crazy. They're not going to sell those Mm cleats if you can sell, if they were $200, just, I promise you look at this, 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 this Pointing out all the little spots on the cleats. So I started saving money from when I was like, I don't know, 14. I saved up for a year. My dad asked me where I wanted to go. I said, Germany. So we used that money. And obviously they helped me, um, once I had gotten over there, um, stayed with a missionary family, played there for two months. I loved it, man. I thought it was great. Um, It was a very, it's a very unique situation because I walked in with a friend that was going to, so the missionaries I stayed with, they had a church there and they had reached a, um, a 16 year old German. His name was David. And so they told me about him and we started messaging months before I left. So we became tight before I ever got there. I get there, meet him, you know, great friend. Um, things are going great he takes me to his school, he takes me to his club, I'm playing for his club, I'm at his school, going to class with him, teaching English, (laughs) like helping the teacher. Wow. Um, Funny. Yeah, but the funny thing was, I developed that love from Germany, love for Germany, from my friend in Morocco. And without that, I would have never wanted to go to Germany. Now that trip went so well, I went back and told my dad about it. And he was like, well, let's, let's find a way to get you to Germany. Let's move to Germany so you can play there. Um, he emails one church about an opportunity as pastor. And they said, they're looking for one. He goes through the application process. And all of a sudden we're moving to Munich, you know, just unbelievable. And
0: Munich too, of all,
1: no, of all places
0: Dennis introduced you to Bayern Munich and then you're moving there. Like what was going through your head at that moment? You, your dad told you, Hey, We're not only going to Germany, but we're going to Munich.
1: That was unbelievable, man. I mean, I remember, I remember my dad um, telling me that he emailed the church and it got back to him and there was a church in Munich. And he, this is exactly what he told me. He said, this whole thing's a, a long shot. But we've hit some long shots <laughs> in our lives. So I thought, all right, maybe this will happen. And sure enough, man, I mean, it was, I think... We get there and I was just totally astounded by, you know, you talk about God's perfect plan and often it doesn't really work out the way you think it will, the way you want it to, but that worked out exactly how I wanted it to. And I was like, now this is cool. This is how
0: it should work every time.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. So, you know, the funny thing was my team trainings, they were about 10 minutes from the Allianz Arena. And so we would get done with training. And I remember one day we were we were training and everybody was trying to get back to the clubhouse because the Atletico Bayern game had was was just about to start. And we're like, why are they like, why are they running to the clubhouse to watch it when you can find tickets online for so cheap? Because we were so close. And we just, just go to the game. Yes, we bought tickets to the Atletico-Bayern UEFA Champions League game that year for 20 euros a person. I mean, it was unbelievable, man. The whole the whole arena
0: was packed.
1: The atmosphere was crazy. It was a great game, like one of the coolest experiences ever. And that
0: stadium, too, is one of the most impressive in all of the world, really, but especially in Europe.
1: And it's amazing. Tom. It is gorgeous, man. It really is. So driving by it every day on the way to training, they'd light it up for Fourth of July. They gave it an American flag. They put an American wow. flag on the panels, and that was a cool feeling. And I love that. But I was in Germany for two years. Um, you just there.
0: glanced over that. You were in Germany for two years, but before <laughs> that, you were in Germany for two, what two months by yourself with a yep. family. At yep. what age?
1: At fifteen.
0: <laughs> it's incredible no i'm serious like that's that's so rare like i see 15 year olds that can barely tie their shoes <laughs> you know you have a 15 year old that's going over and living in a foreign country that doesn't speak the language it's helping him uh that's asking him to help teach the lessons actually like that Dude, this is why I wanted to talk to you because this is a, it's a rare experience that you have. And you'd say it so nonchalantly, you're just like, yeah, we lived in Germany for two years and I was whatever. How old were you? and you guys went back. So there was two months when you were there by yourself. And then how, how long after you got back to the U S like, how'd that all work?
1: Yeah. So, um, I get back and like I said, I told my dad about, you know, just how great I thought it was. And, and he was the one to say, well, would you ever want to move there? And I was like, definitely. Are you kidding me? You know how much better like soccer is there and, and the experience that would be. And I, at this point, I knew what I was getting myself into because of Morocco, because of this little test run. And I knew I was capable of it. And, and I was like, I, I, I also, I remember sitting down and thinking about it. And like, okay, if this, thing's, if this thing actually could happen, do I really want it to happen? Because I know it's not all going to be fun, for sure. You know, there are going to be days where I'm so, you know, homesick or, or lonely or whatever it is that, you know, you could throw up. But I also knew how much I would grow as a person through that time and how it would test me. And that's something I wanted to put myself through. So I mean, I told my dad full speed ahead and, and, you know, he's, he's the one who raised me like that. He's, yeah. he told me one 100%. time, you know, if you have the option between this place or this place, you need to go to the one that's the hardest because that's the one that's going to be like the most rewarding for you. And so basically uh, that's how I approached Germany. And um phew, boy
0: was there some growth <laughs> so what what was the biggest challenge in what would you say was the biggest challenge in morocco actually first and then we'll get to germany
1: the biggest challenge in morocco that's that's why i said um what i said about telling my 12 year old self any piece of advice is that everybody doesn't have to like you um that is what i struggled with the most um, that was the first place I had ever gone where I couldn't make any friends besides Dennis. I mean, I had a friend, wow. but where, I mean, I had moved so many times and every single time I moved somewhere, I could always make friends. I never had a problem with that. Cause yeah. I mean, you know me, I can talk like, <laughs> I can talk your ear off if you want me to
0: hundred percent. So, which is it which is a gift.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But, um, but it wasn't working for me. It wasn't happening. And I was just having such a hard time with that. So that would be, that was the hardest challenge in Morocco for personally, for me. I mean, of course you miss the food, you miss your family, you miss your friends, whatever. But that was like the biggest personal struggle I went through.
0: And it's okay to miss all that stuff too. I mean, it's like, if if I was saying something to, you know, the younger, uh, someone younger, that's going through that, and they're feeling all those things. It's it's okay to feel that you're gonna be okay. Just keep yeah. like to keep going through it. You know what I mean? Don't don't back out because of that. Because you're like, oh, I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling homesick. I better run home. Yeah, that's probably the moment where you should probably you have to keep going through that. And that that emotion goes comes and goes. It goes away, and then you know maybe you make a new friend and it you feel good. And then it might come back again. But yep. as you go through all those ups and downs you're learning about yourself you're you're challenging yourself in new ways that's why those emotions come up so like that's another thing like it's okay to feel that and it's natural and everyone feels that but you have to keep going through that in order to get the reward on the other side
1: and i think it's important to accept that you are i mean um a lot of things you can kind of push to the back of your head and act like they're not happening but you've got to you know from my experience you have to understand that it's happening and then decide that you're gonna push through that and come out, you know, a different person.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's a really good point is to push through it, you know, to to feel it and accept it as the challenge that it is like do you hear that?
1: Yeah, that's over here She's
0: yeah, getting though, ready to go off. he's barking over here. That's funny. Um yeah and I feel like it's it is important to understand like the challenge of it. Like even just today in 100% transparency, I was driving home from the gym and I was like, I have an opportunity right now that I'm going to buy a business here locally in Delaware. And I've been working there every day. I've been improving it and you know scaling it up and make, helping it make more money. And, and then I'm going to take it over in a month or so. And I was thinking to myself, man, I I, I kind of, miss like training out at the field right now like and not like in a way where it's like a deep thing but it's just like man i that would be fun right now type of thing and i'm like wait a second you're choosing this path you're choosing to go on this business challenge because you're ready for something that you know creates maybe a financial reward for you that because like for me i i'm ready to make some money in life I'm really yeah. setting myself up because for a long time, you know what it's like as a soccer player. For the majority yeah. of the the majority of soccer players, do not make any money. By the way, to anybody listening to this, the ma-
1: professionally,
0: even I mean, yeah, you know, even professionally,
1: you that out recently. You know, you can be considered a professional in the United States, and you're making less than someone working at McDonald's.
0: Hundred percent, and you're putting in a lot of hours and committing a lot. So. That's another thing. But I just felt that tonight. I was like, man, I'm driving home and I felt good working out at the gym. But I was like, man, I was, cause I was thinking about our conversation. I was like, man, reminiscing about going into free kick center training. Like, yeah, there's that anxiety or whatever that we used to get. But yeah. at the same time, it was like, there's no better feeling than walking in there and just knowing that like you're a badass. Like, and <laughs> I don't mean that in like a cocky, uh, maybe I do mean it in a cocky way, but knowing that nobody can go in there and, and you know, take anything that you have because this is your field
1: of work um yeah and you you are are the the,
0: because like for me i don't understand a lot about this business i'm taking over yet like i'm I'm learning it quickly like you know we pick up things quick but yeah um but at the same time it's like i'm a novice i'm completely beginner and i'm learning all these new things about business ownership about uh you know at a bigger scale than I've ever seen before. And, you know, it's a small scale, but still you're dealing with a lot of, a lot of stuff that you haven't done before. So just going through that challenging period and saying to yourself, okay, I'm choosing this and I'm going to continue to choose this because I want the reward that's on the backside of it. I want to be a, I was, and you're, you're even more so than me, I would say, but we have like this weird thing where we have a collection of very like diverse friends We have a lot of friends that are very, very like different from each other. We don't have just a, you know, we're not all just similar. We have people that, that are way, way, way different than us from all walks of life. Like, and I think that's something that makes us better, better people in who we are is whenever we surround ourselves with people that can think differently, that believe differently than us and still learn something from them, not shut our brains off, allow ourselves to like explore their ideas too.
1: Right. Being okay with being around people that are different. You know, a lot of, I mean, the biggest problem I had with, um, and you'll see here in America too, you've got circles and things where people don't want others in. But in Germany, my hardest struggle was once again, I mean, the people there, I, I had a lot better luck whenever I learned German, but whenever I only spoke English, it was so hard, man, just being surrounded by these people who you kind of feel like they really don't want you there. Um, and so, you know, for them, it was uncomfortable having an outsider. Um, and so I've seen that, uh, I've been in the shoes of the outsider. And so now whenever I'm in a place where I'm comfortable, take the lab, you know, working with Eddie and whenever I would see somebody walking in, you know, nervous as ever, and you know you could just like see it on their face; <laughs> they're about to sweat bullets, man. And just walk up yeah, in their shoulders body. the way they're walking. All oh, stiff. yeah, man. yeah. Just just walking up and, and saying a word, welcoming them, and then and then helping them through their first few days. It's like I've been in those shoes, and and I know what it's like. And if I can help somebody that's in that position now, then I'm going to.
0: And they have a better connection with you whenever you do that too. They like they remember that. Trust me, like I heard someone say once. People will forget what you say. They'll forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And yeah. that's something that, like, Luke has his own way, but especially you, like, I think a lot of people walked in there and they're like, oh, I like Justin. I can get, I, like, I can, you know what I mean? And not like that it was uh, the friend lab, like people weren't going in there to make friends necessarily. Yeah. And you weren't yeah. there to, you weren't there to be someone's friend, but you would be someone's friend. Yeah. And that's a big difference you it wasn't like the friend club, like we weren't yeah. all there because oh we want to make friends when we come here I was like no everyone's here because they want to be the best damn soccer player that they can be. But if we can be friends too, you know that helps it makes yeah. it makes you know the it may it's like it's like oil in an engine, you know it's not it's not the fuel of the engine, but it makes it just run smoother. Uh, yeah. It's like the lubricant of it yeah. it's the friendships.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's really good.
0: But I think uh, it's funny, too, because then you would see some people that would start to just going back to the lab for a second. You'd see some people that would start to get comfortable in there and then they would be like a jerk. They'd be like a complete jerk to the new guy. And it was like after a week of them, you know, being in there with us, they were like, oh, I'm going to show this new newbie how to how to be. And they would be, you know, firing the ball in. The guy would be, you know, falling over himself, nervous. And they're trying they're to be all hard,
1: at I'm trying to tell him to get it right. I'm like, you were in those shoes like not long ago at all. <laughs> a week I ago, down, young one. <laughs> Man,
0: yeah. and I was. Uh, you know who I uh, who I saw the other day? I was watching the USA game. Uh, who are they playing? Yeah. Um, the
1: Panama game?
0: No, not that one. The one before that uh, was it.
1: Mexico was it?
0: yeah it was mexico after the mexico game you know who i saw that was uh the announce like doing a post-game interview who jenny chu remember her brother steven
1: oh um yeah steven he wore the predators
0: and she came in there that one day and she was like talking like talking with eddie and everything and we were like who's this guy coming in here steven yeah. yeah yeah so i saw i saw her on tv and i was like oh i remember her brother how
1: recognize people like nobody else like that is a gift when we would be sitting down and it's not even just recognizing people you know but your wealth of knowledge in the area of people is like <laughs> is unsurpassed i mean we'd be sitting down eating and you know you're bringing up these guys I didn't watch much soccer before Morocco, but you're bringing up guys that were playing before I was born, man. And, and Eddie's talking about these, all oh, those were the heroes when I was growing up. And I'm just like, how does this guy, Eddie mentions a coach in Tampa. And you're like, Oh, he used to coach at whatever school. You're just like, how does this guy know so many things about so many people? I can't keep up with my own family.
0: <laughs> well, I can't keep up with your family. <laughs> I can give up with all these other people. I can't keep up with your family. No, but I mean, yeah, I think we all have our own like little skills or whatever. But I think that was just obviously a I mean, part of me was just obsession. It was just obsession with soccer. Yeah. Because I wanted to be the best at it. I was so I you know, I heard Mike Tyson talk. Someone he was like, someone asked him. Mike, if you could give uh, a young boxer advice, and I know you like Mike Tyson, so you'll appreciate this. I
1: love Mike Tyson.
0: (laughs) Um, Mike, if you could give anybody advice that's a young boxer on what to do, he said, go and study the history of boxing. No, no, but he said, study the history of boxing. And he said, study it from the beginning. Who started it? Where did they come from? why did they start it and and start looking at the evolution of boxing throughout the year so you can understand all the different uh you know rules all the regulations and then whenever you understand that you can understand how to how to move in the ring and then you can understand conditioning and what parts of conditioning like this guy he amazes me like he's so intellectual that people never give him credit for but that i and that's the only reason I bring that up is because that's the same way I thought about soccer was, and and not because I was doing it on purpose, not because Mike Tyson said it, but because it was like, I wanted to become, I wanted to learn everything I possibly could. So I could understand every in and out, every, uh, every person, every connection that could ever, you know, possibly,
1: um, every variable happen.
0: Yeah. Every variable. Exactly. And whenever you understand every variable, then you can perform at your best. And I don't know, it's just like, it was just like an obsession over something that I enjoyed. And yeah, I don't know. It was.
1: Oh yeah, that was evident. (laughs) Very evident.
0: Yeah. So I'm trying to um, take that mentality as well into business and other things. But, but anyway, um, so you said the biggest challenge in Germany was feeling almost out and like an outsider in some ways like they didn't want you there
1: um man the biggest challenge in germany that was <clears throat> that was the first year for me um and then the second year i think the biggest challenge was patience i got into i showed up and try it out for a feeder club for Bayern for their youth program. And they said, I showed up when the season had already started. Um, they said, our team's full and you don't speak German. Um, you know, come back. Uh, we'd be interested in you for next season. So I spent a year. I spent six months playing for my um, county team because that's the only team that would even take a new player on. I spent another six months at kind of like a boarding school, soccer academy. And then I try out for the team again, Milbertshoven, and I make it. And so I was like, okay, first year outsider. And and I still struggled with that the second year. Uh, But I was kind of, I had kind of formed my mind enough to be able to deal with it. And then it was a problem of, okay, I made this team if I kill it here, I get on the Bayern Munich's youth program, you know, and yeah, and I remember going out and training, and like, from the first month, I remember one of the guys coming up to me and saying, he was this Croatian guy, my friend still to this day, uh, we talk a lot, but um, he goes, man, I don't know uh, if you're just getting comfortable, but from the first day to now, like, you're really doing well, man. Like, like it's evident everybody's seeing it, like whatever. And I felt that way. Um, yeah, you know,
0: when that's, you know, when you're, yeah, you
1: know, when you're flowing, yeah. <clears throat> when things are working for you, when you're in good form, I felt it, but I was getting like, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game and I'm talking to the the coach and, you know, he's like, patience, be patient, be patient. And I'm like, I don't have time to be patient. This is my last year in youth soccer. I'm trying to kill it at this program so I can move on to the next one. Like I'm trying to use you guys as a stepping stone. Don't you see this? So
0: (laughs) Yeah, without uh, saying it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so basically, you know, I mean, I ended up getting some playing time. And and right when things were going well for me, uh, I was starting. I was playing, you know, 90 minutes, uh, feeling comfortable, happy there as far as like on the field and one of my friends gets in a fight with like four other players and they start just absolutely smacking him around and i'm on the other side like other half of the field and i take off sprinting and i just you know i start breaking up the fight never through one punch but um just trying to get everybody off of my friend and uh when it gets broken up, I start heading to the locker room. The ref calls my friend and this other guy that started fighting, gives them red cards, calls one other guy, me, gives me a red card. So it was a red card for fighting, which put me out for like two and a half, three months, man. And there was no which appeal.
0: That In your situation, just so like people understand, that's like a death sentence. That was a death I mean, sentence. You're a, a foreigner. A sentence, you're a foreigner. You just got into the team. And now you're suspended, essentially. Yeah. So, coming back from that is the only thing that would be on top of that is an injury. (laughs) Like, yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I've dealt with those too. (laughs) So,
0: yeah,
1: fair enough. It was, uh, that was, that was the hardest thing for me. I mean, it was like patience until things started going well and then they did and then they fell apart. And how do I be patient through this? I mean, you know, why would this happen? That all those Mm -hmm. questions start coming up and, and so it was, you know, it was a battle against myself at the time because I mean, at that point, there was nothing I could do. I had to wait out, wait out that, you know, time clock on the red card, and and I only ended up, you know, getting maybe two, three more games with that team. So the end wow. of the season by that time, and then um, <clears throat> I would, thought I was moving to Spain from there, but ended up having visa issues and got shipped back to the states. So it it really was costly. But um patience. That was the hardest lesson there.
0: I think that we had this conversation so many times, how all like whenever we were in Orlando together, how many of like the, even the four of us, I'll include Eddie in that struggle with patience. Like, yeah. Because we want results now. We want, we want everything. But I I genuinely think God gives us those types of challenges whenever he knows that we're weak in them. <laughs> like that's yeah. i don't know i don't know if that's like true i don't know if that's proven but it sure seems like it's pretty common like oh yeah you know, no, the struggle with patience thing. are being forced into patience
1: yeah yep it's like uh, <laughs> it's just like this thing i saw the other day that said um whenever you ask god for patience do you think he's going to give you patience or he's going to give you times to be patient
0: <laughs> right opportunities to be patient which means exactly um wait <laughs> yeah, hurry up so, and wait. so what part of the season what part of the season was that when you were when that happened when the suspension happened was that
1: so that was at the very last game of uh it was like the very last game before winter break and so my suspension didn't start till the first game back
0: and so
1: how did so, that go? Um it was painful, man. I'll tell you what though. I, I just let go in trainings. I I still had some apprehension because it was if I don't play well enough in this training session, then I'm not going to start the next game because I mean, my spot was everybody's spot was, you know, competitive. Nobody was safe. Um you know, you're starting one game and the next game it's somebody else. So once I knew I couldn't play I just let go. And, and that's when I really see that was the that was the learning part of that lesson. I, I was like, you know, why on earth, you know, as a spiritual person, you're sitting down saying, God, why on earth would this happen? And I honestly think I, I grew more as a player because I had a red card and had to sit out because I stopped caring and I was, I wasn't afraid to play a really daring style of soccer that I probably would have been scared to play before. Um, I was because doing, you would
0: have been afraid like to make a mistake and then be pulled off. So now yeah. it's like, I don't give it.
1: A- I started making mistakes and then I started learning from those mistakes and I grew and I grew and I grew and I grew, and I grew. <laughs> you know? So by the time that suspension was up, I was, you know, I felt like, you know, one heck of a player, um, you know, I don't have the stats that I wish I had, but I walked out with a skill that I wouldn't have
0: had. Right. And you, you proved it to yourself too, that you were capable of making mistakes and still weren't like, I felt, I felt that a lot whenever I was a young player is especially, especially in like high school when I wasn't as confident in myself because of my physical development, I was yeah. I was 88 pounds and five feet tall as a junior going into my junior year. And so like, I never, I always felt like I had to do everything perfect. I always felt like I couldn't make a mistake because I already had the cards stacked against me. Yep. And which was kind of weird because, uh, then as my development started coming, I was, I was like, who cares? Like at this point, I'm just going to do whatever. Cause then you, then I started to feel on top of the world. I was like, oh, now I'm, now I'm a technical player and I have, you know, height and I I'm a little bit faster now. Like I'm, yep. I'm never going to be a, a fast player, or Usain Bolt or anything, but like I, you start to feel more competent in yourself. And then it's like, wait a second, I wish I would have had this mentality yeah. as like that player, you know, like, cause then why did I, why did I ever wait to do this? Exactly. Exactly why did I wait to do this? And I, if I could encourage anybody, you shouldn't, you shouldn't wait on any intuition that you feel. If you feel like to, to do a new challenge, to push, to challenge yourself, do it. Don't
1: Don't be scared of failing. You're yeah. going to look like, you know, uh, Jordan B. Peterson, one of the greatest minds of our day. I think I've seen this video so many times, watched it for myself, but he talked about how You're scared to learn a new skill because you know, you're going to be a fool at it, but that's, that's the game. You know, I mean, if you don't ever step into that field and make yourself a fool, you never grow to your potential. You know, I mean, you have to, you have to be the one to laugh at yourself. You know, it's okay. I'm going to suck at this, but I'm starting. And and it's not always going to be like that because I'm going to get this I'm gonna do this so many times that you know nobody can do it like me. That you gotta start as a fool.
0: That's something that always impressed me about you as a soccer player. Whenever we were training together, is because at the end of the day, you know, we all we all had respect for each other. Yeah, but. Like uh, I saw you grow technically more than anybody else. Like your growth curve was bigger than everyone.
1: Because <laughs> I started at a lower platform.
0: Yeah, but you also had the mental. You had like that growth mindset of I'm gonna get yeah. better at this. It, it, it doesn't matter where I started. I'm going to. So like you bridge that gap so quickly and so. Uh, I mean that always it always impressed me because that's something that a lot of people like I said earlier. It seems like a lot of people take that for granted. You know, they think, oh, well, Luke's a natural dribbler or <laughs> Luke, whatever. The, like, the, the people would always say that. But it's yeah. like, he put a lot of effort in. And then you see Justin, the day one that I got there, you'd be like, oh, Justin, he's not a, he's not a dribbler. <laughs> yeah, then, I'm
1: not a dribbler.
0: Then Justin, uh, six months later, three months later, one month later, you're like, shit, is he a center mid? Is he a striker? Like, where does he, so like, I don't know. I always, it always impressed me with you, your ability to, to really put yourself in uncomfortable situations that you knew you were going to fail at. Not, I don't, I don't say that in a bad way because oh, we no, all no, failed right. a lot. We all right. failed. Um, but your ability to put yourself into a failure situation where you had virtually no, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember, Una. Yeah. California. Like she yeah. had the craziest feet I think I've ever seen as far as speed. So it was quick. so quick and so light. And I remember the one day she was there and we were all like, okay, let's do it. All of us are gonna compete one 1v1v yeah, one. We each had one. our line. And we each had a line. And it was like we had none of us were gonna beat her mm-hmm. as far as quickness, because it was just like she she was like freak, freak speed. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't care because it was like, all right, I'm still going to try. I'm still going to. And, and just that effort of, okay, I know, maybe I won't win. Maybe none of us will win. Maybe she'll win. And what was always great about Eddie that I still appreciate is he would, he would always rub it in when someone younger than us wow. would beat us. And, you know, you have to love that because I don't know, a lot of people will be like, oof, the younger guy won. But he would be oh, you suck. A (laughs) 12-year-old beat you. And, you know, at the time, like at at 22, 23 years old, you're like, 12-year-old, come on. That's that's embarrassing. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we have a lot of skill sets that, you know, those – those kiddos didn't have but but still just the like we would put ourselves in purposely uncomfortable situations in drills that we knew were not our strong suits mm-hmm. but because we loved the challenge of it. and i think that's important you know to do that
1: oh yeah exactly and those so, younger
0: kids did it too with us they would come into yeah. our drills where we were the kings and they would say
1: yep i remember um there was another player came in and uh he was just really good in the midfield i mean it was like your style it was the other luke you know and, mm-hmm. and then he was, a, he was a good player you know can't say anything for his character but uh, but he was a, he was a good player and i remember looking at him and um he was one of those guys that my first month there he's giving me a hard time you know he's stinging the ball into where i'm trying to make me look bad and i like i remember thinking you keep doing this because I'm going to take everything that you're good at and I'm going to consume it. And then I'm going to be just as good at, at what I'm good at. And then I'm also going to be doing exactly what you're doing right there in the midfield, buddy. You give me a month and a half, two months tops. Two months later, you, you remember this. We made him quit. Yeah. He, he quit would not come back to the left. He wouldn't come. And I told Luke, my little brother, the same thing. I said, what you need to do, Eddie says he's better in the midfield, Eddie says you're better with your feet. What you need to do is take everything that he's good at and consume it, and that will be part of you. Yeah. And and this kid, you know, he was uh, so proud because he had that. He wasn't hungry. He was proud. Mm -hmm. We were hungry. You know, if I saw anybody was better at me than something – I'm taking that from you. Thank you very much for showing me how to do it. That's mine now.
0: And what's so funny is people didn't understand whenever you would come up to them, and be like, hey, can you, uh, can you show me how? <laughs> like, what did you do there? How did you get that? Yeah, Well, it's so funny you mentioned. That's humility, that's humility though. I mean, that is. you're
1: happens, right. If you don't humble yourself and walk up to that person and say, look, can you show me how, can you show me how to do that? And then two months later, they're going to say, holy crap. <laughs> like and what then, happened?
0: and then it's like uh you know cockiness whenever you do it better than they do but but then so then it's funny you mentioned that because i remember you know who it was for me Who you're gonna be shocked who it was whenever we were doing all the footwork stuff like in the beginning whenever even without the ball where you would do the ladders and and the hurdles and it was like you're gonna do this and 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 it was like 20 different steps and you know no other environment i i'm i've never seen another environment that challenges you mentally physically emotionally like that one because it puts so much together all eddie puts so much together all at once, and. You know this, in college and even professional teams, you never do drills like that, like we were doing. No, I, I was on
1: trial with Colorado Rapids too. Nothing yeah. like that, nothing yeah. at all.
0: Whenever I was on trial with Loudon, Memphis, mm-hmm. even Maryland Bobcats, none of these teams, we never did anything like that. Not even close, not remote. And, and okay, so it was, um, you're going to laugh. Everybody yeah, i Yeah, waiting
1: me. to hear who this player was
0: if i gave you three guesses you might get it um but they're younger than us I and agree. it's a girl was it red no well uh, red, <laughs> was red was impressive She was a beast especially with the footwork stuff yep. um it was Mackenzie, because whenever wow. we first got whenever i first got there i remember it was like the second the first or second day the first day we did two a days yeah and it was the morning session with all the kids yep. and i remember eddie was like you go over here you go with this group you know go last or whatever watch everybody pay attention yeah. you know the normal and it wasn't with you guys because I, I don't know if you guys came that for in the morning or not i don't remember but um I, I probably don't remember because i was so trying to learn and pay attention
1: yeah
0: but Mackenzie was like just do this. Like, you know, the attitude, <laughs> remember, you know, the attitude I'm talking about, you know, it was like every lab kid had this attitude of like, just do it, man. Like, what do you, yeah. why don't you understand by why now? Why don't
1: you just walk up and do it?
0: Yeah. Just, and it's <laughs> like,
1: you have no steps. idea what, <laughs> what? It's 40 different steps in the right order. Continuously. You're sucking wind and you're halfway done and you have to do the whole thing on the reverse side right you now it's like,
0: you go the other way then.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and you're watching someone do it in front of you and you're just like <laughs> what did you just do? Yeah and then you, and then you have the pressure from the people next to you whenever you go up, you can't hit the hurdle. you can't hit the ladder. But I remember doing like a simple passing sequence. It was like a you know, like you'll understand this like a right, left, right, back out of the pocket, touch across the body, outside yeah. of the foot bounce it again, then switch sides, whatever. Okay. I was doing it. And, and I was, I was done. I was absolutely like mentally. I was like, I have no idea what we're doing. I, I have no idea. And she was like, you just go here, you just go right and left. And, and then you back up and then you touch it across and then you play with the outside of the foot. And I was like, you do what? <laughs> I was, I was so lost. And you know, the pressure from these kids, like people Don't even understand, but whenever you're, and this is a whole nother thing. You mentioned humility and it is really hard whenever you've done something your whole life and you consider yourself good at it to be, to walk into an environment where you see a 12 year old do something and you're like, holy shit, I've played this game my whole life. And I've never seen anybody do that, let alone someone that's 10 years younger than me. And I can't do it. And not even like I can't, but like, I have no idea. She did everything. On purpose, in the right order, with the correct foot, with w- without the ball bouncing, and you're thinking about so many things in your brain. You're processing so many things, and and then the pressure from Eddie, and then the pressure from the people behind you. Like it's it's like, and I have to do what? I have to do ten different steps, and then people are going to be judging. Yeah. So that was who it was for me, Mackenzie, putting unnecessary pressure. And if uh, if uh, Alan and Tracy ever listen to this. That was that was the most, what's the word for it? That was the most intimidated I've ever felt by a 12-year-old girl in my life. <laughs> that's a good way to put
1: it though. Dude, That's like, okay, so I've got a story similar to this one. This was probably two months into being at the lab. And I remember I literally would get dusted when it came to the footwork drills. From the moment I walked in, you know every drill i had to worry about one okay don't trip over your own feet justin i'm a big dude i was pretty clumsy with like real footwork i could get pretty clumsy at times and it's
0: and so, and just to interrupt for a second the hurdles were set up for rj
1: yeah
0: to get over i mean so it's not like you know it, was, it wasn't it was set up for a men's u.s size twelve year
1: old feet and legs to fit in between okay and i'm a 190 pound six foot three guy trying to fit in these little hurdles so so two months in probably we're doing it there's like 12 of us right and um eddie's taking a video of a a footwork drill that's a whole drill. you know it's a hurdle and two cones on the outside it's Mm the it's the open up open up behind the back all these things dribble around over over back to the other side all Mm -hmm. this. So I was like, all right, man, this is my one. Like, I've got to win one of these. And so Eddie's recording. I think we did it like four times.
0: Was this over? Time, was this over in the in the corner by uh by the like the fruit stand or whatever where the people sold the, drink?
1: the far this was by the far side goal. So not by the, oh, the okay, star. okay. Okay, the okay, okay. So um, dude, I'm doing this and I finish, stomp my foot on the ball, turn around and i'm looking and i'm like i think i finished first. I'm like holy crap i think i finished first. and so then i go back watch the video and i i remember bella finished before me but then it was me. and it was a touch closer. and i was like yes bro i only got beat by bella and she's quality and like and then i thought she's a 13 year old girl. <laughs> and, I, and i'm proud that i only lost to her like that was humbling it's so true do you you, do you know where she just committed
0: yeah big congrats to bella bella if you ever listen to this huge going to yale just little sis out
1: there going to yale bro crushed it i had some so happy
0: for her too
1: yeah there were some people that we really had a connection with and and, i mean bella was one of those people it was and
0: her dad too joe
1: oh he was awesome
0: man yeah he was cool <laughs> i i liked him i always enjoyed talking to him so much man he i yeah. thought he was, he thought he was an interesting guy huh
1: and he kept it real
0: hundred yeah, percent. he always and he was always tough on bella he wasn't one of those parents that's like oh my daughter's so amazing and, and almost yeah your face is saying the whole story but yeah, yeah i mean
1: look where know, she is
0: look at where she's at like how can you argue with it and I'm super happy for her because I felt in a lot of ways there were people that didn't necessarily want to see her succeed because yeah. because she was so good from a young age and she was like she's had to overcome a lot. So yeah, I'm, I'm super see. happy. I messaged her on Instagram the other day and I was just like, Hey, just wanted to tell you I'm really happy for you. Congratulations. And yeah. I told her, You've earned it. You have earned it. Absolutely. It is not given she's to you. In there
1: getting- Like she's in there putting a body, trying to put a body on me, you know, like trying to body me off the ball. Like this girl has heart.
0: And that was three years ago. (laughs) Whenever she was like 14, like that's, that's saying something. No, I mean, and that's something too, that, you know, I think a lot of those kids that we saw developing in front of our eyes, it was, it was incredible to see them as well. um, Get this confidence with something. You know, even if, even if they never, like, I would always say this, even if they never play soccer again, from after age 12, they have learned, they have literally mastered a skill that they, that if they continue with that mentality, and it's not everybody either that goes in there that has the right mentality, because how many guys did we see that were just like us, had the same opportunity as us, but didn't develop, they didn't grow as people, And they actually ended up probably going backwards because they didn't like draw from it. The learning experience.
1: Yeah. They let the weight crush them.
0: Yeah. And they, or yeah, that, and I think, yeah, let the weight crush them. And I think that they also were probably maybe there for the wrong reason. They were there for maybe, um, some, you know, to impress somebody or to, you know, because their parents told them to go. You could tell the players that were there because they wanted to be there. Yep. Do you remember, do you remember um, the, the young, I don't even like calling them like boys, but like, because they really are, it's true. Like the way they're Eddie would say they're little men. Do you remember uh, Alexander, Alex? Um, what's his last name? Something with an S, like Stock something. Yes. He yes. was a dude, that kid
1: yeah
0: every time i would see that kid play yes yes
1: he had some heart
0: alex was a beast though he was in every way bro yeah
1: that kid wanted it
0: he wanted it and you could see it on his face when he would almost cry whenever he would like lose or anything like you could see that's what i mean like some kids they were like "Ah, i'll just go with eddie i'll hang out he was like there to work that kid was those are always the kids i feel like i have a better i don't know i get them more you know like whenever you see them you're like yeah you're
1: hard on their sleeve
0: yeah i enjoyed i i don't know man i enjoyed that environment i think more than a lot of different places but you know you mentioned humility that's something i've especially recently whenever you've done something so much there's something i've been thinking a lot about like reinvention of yourself you know like because for a long time, soccer has really been what I do. It's been my whole life. And now I'm like changing a little bit. And it's like, I, I know I, I know I have to accept that this is a new challenge. This is something new. And, but it's like, I don't know. It's weird when you're so used to saying, Oh, I'm a soccer player. Oh, um, I play soccer. I do this. And that. and now I'm like, okay, I'm doing other things though. I'm not, it's not like taking away from anything that I've accomplished that I've and i feel like you know to be honest a lot of like we've accomplished a lot considering where we came from yeah if you really put everything together we there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people that will say oh well you probably just weren't good enough because because you didn't make it but whenever you have an understanding like us comments like that don't even bother us because yeah. we we understand a lot more about the industry than the person that is arrogant enough to say something like that
1: i don't think you know the uh the everyday person could really like unless we sat down and and told our stories it's not really going to make sense to anybody
0: yeah and and even like this like having this conversation we're not even like we're not even touching the surface of no. like any like that's that's the part that gets me like We could, Justin. You and I could probably have like a 18 hour conversation about like stuff, and still be like, man, if people if people could really grasp though what it what it felt like, you know what I mean? Like what podcast
1: marathon? That's what it would take.
0: Do you remember? Do you remember? Um, I mean, I already know the answer to this, but do you remember the night when it was a couple days, Miami, whenever we went. Well, we we went down there a couple of times, but whenever we trained with Corey yeah. and all yeah. those guys, and it was a night, it was at night, and we played like a 5v5. Yep. And it was or maybe 4v4, whatever it was. It was you. No, it was five v five. It was you, Luke, Eddie, uh, what was the other guy? Me, I mean me, but then um,
1: I don't remember the guy. <sighs>
0: Did he have like long hair?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of his name, but I, I don't know. Kind of. But a, anyway,
0: so five unsigned players, yeah. and, and well, Eddie, I get, I get, yeah, unsigned, <laughs> retired, whatever.
1: You're but tired. then, but then okay. we
0: played. Who did we play? We played uh, Ford,
1: Mason, Corey
0: Mason, George, Jonathan. Uh, who Who's the fifth? Robbie,
1: yeah no. Robbie at that time was it? I
0: don't, I don't know who was the f- I don't know, but anyway, it was like basically five m l s players, former m l s player against five bums <laughs> off the street, like a like you know in in the, Literally. In, the, in the soccer worlds yeah. opinion, in the soccer we were world, nobody
1: no, yeah, nobody's
0: Andrew, that was the other guy's name and yeah,
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah 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 booth. He, Oh, I saw he signed for a Charleston battery. Oh, um, well. But anyway, um, I j- that just popped into my head. You know my head. Um
1: connections, people, you know yeah, it all. Just
0: yeah. so you could scale it out. Um and we what would you tell it? You tell how did and
1: first game was 5 0, 5 0. For who? For the MLS players. Yeah, <laughs> nope. right. Nah, man, that's when that there were a lot of moments when I when I realized like, no, I can do this. I'm like where I thought I'm going to do this. And that that night was it was so strong. I mean, we won like five games out of five games. And the only time they came close was when they scored, you know, we played five goals. I think they scored three goals on us one game. And that was the closest they got. And we were just, we were passing circles around them, man, picking our moments. We played. We played one touch finish and they they couldn't get a goal so they're like all right take take the touch restric- restriction off let's play where you can just score yeah okay we'll play where we can score 5-0 you know what i'm saying it's just like it's and, so. And- oh, looking back on that man
0: it's so yeah i don't know it's almost like I don't know if you feel this way, but it's almost like a a sore subject in so many ways. I'm almost tired of like talking about it, you know, like I'm, I'm ready to almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So what's like realistically then. So we're, if we're going there, what's next for you, what are you excited about? Like, honestly, like what, you know, what, with all the lessons that you took from that experience with Eddie, with Orlando, the times that we've shared even since then going to because you went to a, a really good school eastern florida for soccer especially they're very they, they're known for it yeah thanks So it's um, so like what's like where are you at what are you thinking
1: yeah so um you know i'm kind of upset that i'm not d1 eligible anymore uh that's my own fault you know time clock and did um, make it to a D one team in time. Well, I, you know, I did a committed to Marshall. Um, That's a whole nother
0: thing. We didn't even talk. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Sitting, when I was, uh, when I was with Eddie, tore my adductor sat out for over a year, but, um, I had committed to Marshall and the year that I sat out, I wasn't able to go. They won the national championship. And so, um, You know I'm not bro, you know me. I'm not
0: laughing at you. I'm no 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 I know. I I laugh
1: at the situation too. That it's pretty
0: you just can't make it up.
1: No, it's it's kind of a it's a cruel joke in and of itself, but a joke nonetheless. (laughs) But um so not D one eligible anymore. Gotta go D two. Um, but I've kind of understood that I need to start pouring my life into something that I, I know I'm going to see returns on. And so for me, I've always pushed myself athletically and, and in soccer, you're pushing yourself athletically, mentally, emotionally, um, all at the same time, but academically, I've never really pushed myself and seen where I can go. So the goal now is to um, is to get an engineering degree. I think that's, that's something that I can really be proud of. Um, Now I myself can be proud of the level that I made it in soccer, but it's not something that anybody else will really ever understand outside
0: of my family, really close friends, you know, and for full transparency, I'm in the same, I I feel the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. So at this point, it's about building something that is um, that that's a value, but that can also, I think the hardest thing I struggled with was when you look at, you know, when you look at me and then you look at a kid that sat on the couch and played Call of Duty his whole life, yes, I, I have a lot of accomplishments that they wouldn't have, but I'm talking about that, like, big stamp of approval, you know, professional, national champion, something like that that we were so close to on so many occasions. With the rest of your life, you can walk around saying, you know, I played in the MLS. I won a national championship, Division One soccer like that's a stamp that you will have for the rest of your life and we were so close man I mean we were so close so I think that's the thing I've struggled the most with but I want to push myself academically and and get an engineering degree and then you know it's for myself it is but I know that it's going to feel good being able to show I've worked hard this is the fruit of my labor and, and it's something that people will understand and respect, you know? And so I, I look forward to that. So the goal now um, looking at a couple of different programs. They have to be division two or NAIA and um, just basically, hopefully that'll pay for the, the degree.
0: So if I'll anybody listening to this too, <laughs> has any connections at division two schools that have good engineering programs, please reach out please reach I out I and, make the program happy <laughs> yeah no and and i think even just a, like even just sharing like what we have today and this is like not even scratching the surface but man i can't help but think that anywhere you and i go and a lot of people that we know anywhere we go we make the room better where a mentor of mine always says we're a vitamin any anywhere you go just be the vitamin just make it better right like cuz that's yeah. what a vitamin does it makes you better it improves your performance right and, and and i think this is something i am coming to realize is that the skill sets i have learned in soccer are valued in the marketplace in, at abroad and by mm-hmm. the marketplace i mean the working place the, the academic place yeah. anywhere where there's a genuine value exchange so like soccer it's not always like that we know this in, the, in yeah. America it's not always you're you're the best player you get this job it's not you know it's not always a meritocracy a lot of people think it is and I'm sure soccer is not the only sport that's like that football baseball I'm sure a lot of sports there's a lot of guys that are very very good that don't get picked up for whatever reason Yeah, but this i think that we're what makes us special is that we've always had a mindset of growth and learning everywhere we go and that can actually be applicable in places where skills are valued especially in a country where we live a capitalist country where it's uh the value you add you get monetarily rewarded for yeah you know the better that you perform you get and, and, like, in a lot of ways, uh, the soccer system doesn't kind of follow the same rules I've come to learn.
1: Um, but
0: but at the same time, I'm not using it as an excuse saying, "Oh, well, I'm good enough. you just didn't give me it. A... I'm not like bitter about it. I'm just except like it's it is what it is. Right. It is what it is. Um, but I'm excited for the next phase for me anyway, because I know that I can add value and actually, get fulfillment from other things as well as just soccer. Like, cause uh, it's, it's crazy, man. I've been working in this store that, you know, this mailbox store, it sounds like boring. It's not sexy at all. It's like basically like I just open up boxes all day and pack boxes. But, but the thing that gets me so like fired up in my head about it is one, it's a platform to do other things with eventually to create financial, security with, with a business with something that I can own, but also it's every day. It's a new pro it's a new problem. Like yeah. just like soccer was every day. It was a new challenge. It was a new environment. It was a new person that we had to you know compete with and also learn how to compete against. So like every day, it's something new, you know, it's like every, every day I'm challenging myself mentally. And I don't know, man, like, I'm excited to actually contribute to the world. And because that's something too that I've looked at soccer like objectively. I've kind of backed out and said, okay, what's really the value of? And I don't mean this any disrespect, but what is the value added to the added to the world through a Nisa team? Like I'm, I, I like genuinely like. I agree with you. I agree maybe you. maybe you get a thousand fans at a game. That's great for that one season, that one night, whatever. And maybe you make it, maybe you make a kid's day, but really, you know, it's very, very small in what we, what we're actually, you know, capable of doing. what we're, yeah. What we're able to do. So like, I'm excited for that, you know, like making a bigger splash, making a bigger impact with our per like personality wise, like talking yeah. with like where we can actually thrive. And yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, of course it's a sore subject in a lot of ways soccer like because you know for both of us but at the same time I'm to be to be completely honest I'm extremely excited about the next like phase of who Zach Godlip is becoming and I'm excited to see like where you go like it's all like even I haven't talked to Luke I have to talk to him soon but even like things like you guys have like Whitestone, like that's another thing if you want like I don't know what you've been up to recently, but have you been doing anything there have you
1: yeah, so Brad, about is my, Brad is my brother in- law Madison obviously then my sister. <laughs> they're married um, and so they decided to move up um, they're helping out at Whitestone. It's a bed and breakfast with there are twenty three rooms on property. I think there are. Maybe seven or eight buildings. Um, so the rooms are, you know, unique and, and really interesting. But um, overall, it's a great property um, in Kingston, Tennessee, right on the lake. Uh, it's a place to get away, um, reprioritize, refocus, just get some silence in your life. And so I've been helping out up there a little bit. Um, and um, just talking with my dad a lot, brainstorming, you know, because it is a it is a monumental task to not only keep it open but try to help it thrive, and so you know, like you said, it's a new challenge every day. And um, while I've been here, I mean, every time I'm back in Knoxville, I I see that because it's it's constantly, um, you know, my parents just work so hard there, mm-hmm. and it, even when they come home, they're still working, and so um working in know. the
0: business and working on the business
1: yeah exactly so it's been a monumental task but um i'm sure that it'll, it'll pay off in the long run and i'm um, really excited to see what you know just what you know that place and what, what my parents are capable of you know in that space so
0: and brad's crushing it from what you said
1: Brad's killing it, man. He's doing a great job. You know, he's always been a good manager. And so now he's moving that into the hospitality industry Um, and things are going really well there. They just had their first son. So I'm officially an uncle. Very excited about that. Shout out Leo. Yeah. Shout out Leo. So, um, you know, I never knew just how special that would be, you know, really? Yeah. I've heard everybody talk about and and I'm sure it will be even more incredible whenever I have my first child, but, but man, it's like a weekend and it's so rewarding to be an uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you'd give anything for the little guy, you know?
0: But yeah. What is he uh, like? I mean, does he do anything yet? Or is he just kind of still like
1: (laughs) still, you know, I mean uh, so I think today, um would be his one week basically um one week birthday i guess but uh wow. no i mean you know <laughs> one week <laughs> yeah yeah so he's just a precious little guy eats and sleeps and every once in a while he'll cry but he's a pretty good little dude
0: right i mean he said he yeah. eats sleeps, yeah. cries
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah quite a few times
0: no that's cool I, I mean, like, man, I went to. I remember we went to Whitestone. It's about a year ago now. And honestly, has it been a year? April. It was like April of last year. Easter. Wow. It was Easter. Remember Easter Sunday?
1: Yeah, you're right. Because your was dad
0: he? preached. What
1: day was Easter?
0: I don't. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway.
1: Anyway. Yeah. You're, the, even like the pictures
0: Sunday. you've sent me from the development that I've seen, I'm like, wow white zone has Uh, changed like already
1: mm -hmm. yeah no they've put they've put some serious work into it and and it's like just always moving forward you know they've renovated two rooms now um and just brought the property up so much and and just adding so much more to the the experience there so yeah that's sick
0: no and man we didn't even talk about how cool your family is and like <laughs> all the different things that you guys have going on, but that's, mm-hmm. it's awesome, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> um, cool. So anything else you want to share anything, any f- funny stories from like Morocco, anything that like would make people laugh or smile?
1: <sighs> I have a lot of
0: besides lot Juan of- pulling out a knife on the, <laughs> the and then dropping it and yeah. crying.
1: Yeah, no, I, I will say this. I, for my 13th birthday, it was my dad's 40th birthday. We were in Morocco and we decided to drive down to the Sahara to celebrate our birthdays. I had never been, my dad had, you know, he's traveled. I don't even know how many countries, <laughs> but um, we decided to drive down. Um, but of course there were challenges. I mean, we had just gotten a car. It was like a 1995 um, BMW five-seater. There's six of us. It's a 13-hour drive, and we didn't have phone service for most of the way. In a BMW. Yeah, yeah. Um, So my mom prints off um, a bunch of directions from Google Maps from our apartment to the hotel we're staying at in the Sahara. And a lot of the roads didn't even have signs, you know? So imagine you're driving, there's like 13 pages of directions, right? And um, it's something crazy like that. And we're driving and then my dad's like, okay, it says a mile and, you know, 1.8 miles till the next turn. And I'm 1.8 miles down the road and there's just this little dirt road to our right. Do you guys think this is the road I'm supposed to take? Like that kind of thing, right? And you know, but but and sure enough it was like you know, these little we're following these dirt roads and and everything. 13 and a half hours later, we make it. It's pitch 13 black and, and a
0: half hours in the it. car,
1: one one, one way and one go, right? Mm-hmm. So we make it, it's pitch black outside. <clears throat> I'm exhausted. I'm you know, like, man, how is this worth it? We're leaving in two days. Mm-hmm. Like, this was just so much work for what? And I wake up, my dad comes in the room, and he's like, you have to come outside right now. So we we walk outside, and I've never seen anything like as, I don't even know the word, majestic as the dunes, like there right in front of my eyes. So where we were, it was flat, it was barren. But about a hundred yards out, there were the dunes started and they were as big as mountains. Like it literally was unbelievable. And I, I just stood there and I couldn't believe anything like that was in front of me at that moment. I mean, it was, it was the most in awe I've ever been of anything in my life. Wow. And stunning. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, yeah, we had to do a lot to get there and, and the trip was short but the experience was richer than anything I've ever experienced. Like it was, it was worth 10 times over what we had to put in to do it. And I just think that that right there, you've got to, you know, we would have been happy just having a nice little birthday party wherever we were at my apartment and, and whatever. But, and at the time it didn't, honestly, I mean, I didn't even think, you know, that it would be that special driving down there. I mean, it's, you're going to the desert. People make jokes about the desert, right? Like being in the desert. Yeah.
0: You're going, yeah. Like you're stranded in the desert and you guys are going on vacation to the desert.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I just think that is, that is life. You know, you are given this one, this one chance to do this thing called life and it's going to kill you. That's what Jordan B. Peterson says. He said, this thing is going to kill you. So why not make the best game that you possibly can while you're playing it? And so, you know, I think you've been been a really
0: good uh, you've been a good example of that through your life, just taking challenges on the chin. Like, honestly, like, I don't know. I I don't think it's that often that people uh, kind of see that road to the right and say is this the is it do you think this is the turn and then they actually take it and I think that's something that you've made like a habit out of is like you see a (laughs) challenge you that you want to overcome and you just go at it all and and that's something I respect about you
1: thank you man I I think I think we share that you know and uh, one of the reasons that we've ended up being such good friends
0: you know yeah yeah genuinely I'm gonna stop the recording here Well, everybody, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Justin. And I'd like you to follow the podcast, share the podcast with someone, and just rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Give us any questions, comments. And I put a poll at the bottom of this, so fill out the poll if you can. Follow Justin on all different social media channels. Follow Whitestone Inn. Make sure to check them out. That's the Sexton Family Bed and Breakfast. It's in uh, Kingston, Tennessee. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I recommend anybody to go there if you want to get out of this technological world and back into nature, into our real world again. So check that out. Check out Whitestone Inn. Check out Justin and give him a follow. See you.